Ramon Arias and Jorge Mateo both came into 2023 as Orioles starting infielders, but they left the season mostly on the bench and with a lot of questions surrounding their futures. Maybe the big question is, can the Orioles roster both of these guys in 2024? We'll try to answer that question as we break down both of their seasons coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, December 21st, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to continue our Orioles 2023 player season review series. Haven't gotten to it in a few weeks because the Orioles have been, you know, making some moves with Craig Kimbrell and Jonathan Heasley, and there's been a lot of lease stuff and ownership stuff going on, but wanted to continue this series. We've got a few more episodes to go before finishing it off and getting to everyone's season from 2023. And today we're going to talk about Ramon Arias and Jorge Mateo. Very easy to really loop these two guys together because they came in looking good. And they did not finish strong at all in 2023. And now you're asking questions like, could they both be here? I mean, there's a chance that neither of these guys are Orioles in 2024. So I'll break down each of their 2023 seasons. And then at the end, give you my thoughts. What were their roles be if they have a role going into next year? But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 just if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started today. So it's a season review series, and let's start with Jorge Mateo. Because nobody on this team, and arguably nobody in baseball, started off the year hotter than Jorge Mateo. Let's take you back to April, because remember, Mateo was coming off... An interesting 2022 season, right? The bat for the year was still an 84 WRC+. plus. It was still a below-league average bat. But he was so good defensively. He got robbed of the gold glove. He won the Fielding Bible Award at shortstop. He stole 35 bases. We were like, you know what? If he can keep the bat, even if it's just a tick below league average, if he does all these other things, this is an important player for this team. And he was playing pretty much every day in April. And April Jorge Mateo looked like an MVP candidate, quite literally, he looked like an MVP when he was out there in April, in the month of April, including March and April, because there were, what, one or two games played in March this year. Mateo hit 347 with six home runs and a 187 WRC+. He had a 7% walk rate, which is a little higher than his usual, but no, nothing crazy. But his strikeout rate was cut almost in half from his career rate to just 15%. He was putting more balls in play. He was getting on base. And with the new rules, he was stealing bases at a very high clip as well. And he was hitting the ball out of the ballpark, driving the ball for power. He was still playing not elite defense, but still really, really good defense at shortstop too. And he just looked like a, a guy who you're going to send out there every single day. And then the calendar turned to May. And, you know, you knew he was going to slow down. We knew Jorge Mateo was not going to hit 347 the entire year. But the calendar turned to May, and he flipped to a completely different player. He flipped to a version even worse than we had ever seen of Jorge Mateo since the Orioles claimed him off waivers back in 2021. In May, he hit just 128 
for a negative 16 WRC plus. Again, I talk about that stat. It's weighted runs created plus basically a statistic that shows all of your offensive value, right? Your average just shows how often you're getting hits. It doesn't show you if they're singles, doubles, triples, home runs. doesn't talk about walks. WRC Plus does a good job of bringing in all that stuff, including how often you get on base, including how often you're hitting for power instead of just hitting for average. It puts it all together. And 100 is league average. He was 187, which means he was 87% better than the league in April. He was negative 16 in May, which means he was 116% worse. He was more than twice as bad as the average hitter in baseball in May. It was a horrendous month. And it kind of just continued like that for the rest of the season for Mateo. Now, he finished out the year. He played in 116 games, 350 plate appearances, ended up hitting 217, 267 on base, 340 slugging, 67 WRC+. Did steal 32 bases, which was nice, but... It wasn't an amazing year, but if you take out April and you just look at from May 1st on for Jorge Mateo, the full season stats are pretty bad. 67 WRC plus, that is a bad player. That is a guy who should not be getting regular at-bats for a major league team. But if you take out April when he was one of the best players in baseball in April, here are Jorge Mateo's stats after May 1st. A 30 WRC plus, that is 70% worse than league average. A 179 batting average. A 244 slugging. That's not his average. That's not his on base. That is his slugging percentage was 244 with a 28% strikeout rate. You start getting above 25, you've got some issues. You start getting towards 30, you've got some issues. And he had, after hitting six home runs in April, he had just one home run for the rest of the year. And that one home run was an inside the park homer that was a ball that he hit off the wall that was misplayed in Oakland. He did not hit a ball over the outfield fence after April when he did it six times in that first month. It was just astounding to see the drop-off. And again, we all understood that April Mateo was not the player he was going to be the rest of the year. But you didn't need to be that bad down the stretch. If you sort all qualified Major League hitters by their stats from May 1st on, Jorge Mateo was literally by far the worst hitter in Major League Baseball from May 1st on. It wasn't very close. If you go by WRC+, Mateo was the worst in the league from May 1st on at 30. The second worst was Brenton Doyle, the Rockies center fielder, who was at 43, was still a little bit better. And the other thing about Doyle was he won the gold glove in center field in the National League. So at the very least, he was giving the Rockies some good value by playing stellar defense. That was the other issue with Mateo this year. After he posted... 14 defensive runs saved and 11 outs above average. Those are elite numbers at shortstop last year. That's why he won the Fielding Bible Award at shortstop. He was essentially, at best, a slightly above average defensive shortstop this year. Two defensive runs saved, negative one outs above average. That basically evens out to, when you add in you know, what he did last year, you would call him an average to slightly above average shortstop. When you combine that with he's not hitting, and basically all he's doing is running the bases well against stealing 32 more bases. And when he did get on base, he was a nightmare for other teams. But that just barely happened down the stretch. He had the worst on base percentage from May 1st on of any player in baseball. It was just horrible to watch. And, you know, I'm not saying he was amazing in 2022. And, you know, he did up his walk rate and drop his strikeout rate from last year, which was a really good sign. But he also lost power. He hit for a worse average. He hit for the exact same on-base percentage. He played worse defense. 
And listen, even the things that got better, right? The walk rate got better. The strikeout rate got better. Those were very good things for Jorge Mateo. You know, not just in April. They got better for the entire year. You look at some of his deeper stats, like some of his chase percentages went down a little bit from 2022. Some of his swing and miss percentages went down from 2022. Like those are all good things, things that Jorge Mateo like really had to work on. Here's the issue. A lot of the improvement you can chalk up to that amazing April. When you just look at all of 2022 compared to May 1st and beyond in 2023, it's worse in most of those categories. That's how good he was in the first month of the season. So it gets you to the point where, okay, yeah, he had a great month and it was awesome, but he was the worst hitter in baseball after that. Now he got a little better, right? He was a little productive in September. He, he was really a part-time player. I mean, after the All-Star break, he was not an everyday player. He was mostly playing against lefties where he was still producing with the bat, he did end up with a 108 WRC plus against left-handed pitching this year, which means he was better than average against lefties, which was good. He was a disaster against righties. You didn't want him in there against right-handed pitching, but you could still play him against lefties. And that's what he basically was down the stretch of the year. He was a platoon player who was just basically hitting against left-handers. And he played better in September. Now he only had 40 plate appearances in the month because he wasn't an everyday guy, but he still hit 265 and had, you know, five walks to just nine strikeouts. That was solid for him in September but not nearly enough to make up for what he did the entire season. And the other thing was like Jorge Mateo, you could kind of argue like besides Gunnar Henderson was the only Orioles hitter that showed up in the quick three game sweep in the ALDS in the postseason against the Rangers. Like he had that big game in game two and he looked like he was there and ready to go. Same with Gunnar. And, and it felt like some of the other hitters maybe weren't in that Orioles lineup, maybe weren't ready for the moment. So that's all nice stuff, but it wasn't good. Now, we did think this offseason, hey, is Jorge Mateo a non-tender candidate? You know, hitting arbitration, would the Orioles pay him as much money as he's worth? Well, they decided yes, and not only did they tender him a contract, they came to an agreement. So Jorge Mateo will make $2.7 million in 2024 in his penultimate season before free agency. He becomes a free agent after 2025, so he's got two years left of team control. And this is an interesting decision for the Orioles. Like, what role can he really play if they keep him around, especially if they're paying him, you know, almost $3 million, which is really nothing for a player. But for the Orioles, they don't tend to spend a lot. So it was a little more surprising that they dished out about $3 million to Jorge Mateo for next year after the disaster that was post-April 2023. He still can help you with the defense. Generally, I don't think, you know, I think he'll be better than he was this year. The speed is still immaculate. He played some center field, right? He played 20 innings in center field for the Orioles this year. And some of those innings weren't even just, you know, mop-up innings. They were like, legitimate like game was close Jorge Mateo was out there in center this year so they trust him a little bit out there too but does it make sense to keep him as just a bench guy because he's certainly not an everyday player in the big leagues at this point but do you keep that bat around to get the other tools that's what we'll try to answer at the end of the pod but first we also got to talk about the other infielder in this category that is Ramon Arias now Arias was much better overall than Mateo was in 2023 but he still did take a step back from the prior season, and he still goes into this offseason with a lot of questions surrounding his future with the Orioles. So coming up next, we'll break down Arias' 2023 season and talk about, hey, does he have a role with the O's going into 2024? But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by... FanDuel. We are getting really into the nitty gritty right now 
of this NFL season. Just three weeks remaining of the regular season, and you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 just if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So we are talking Jorge Mateo and Ramon Arias on today's episode. Just broke down Mateo's season. Now we get to Ramon Arias, who admittedly, let's start with this. He was much better than Jorge Mateo was in 2023. There are certain reasons they are in the same category, and there are certain reasons these are the two players I'm talking about on the same episode here as we do these 2023 Orioles player season reviews. But Arias was still better and more productive. Now, he had a very similar amount of playing time to Mateo. Arias played in 116 games. That is the exact number that Jorge Mateo played in. He got a few more plate appearances, 396 versus 350. But Arias was just a better hitter. He hit 264. He had a 328 on base. He had a 375 slugging. And he had a 99 WRC plus, which, yeah, that's a tick below, but basically means Ramon Arias was a straight up league average hitter in 2023. Now, he only hit four home runs, which was a little concerning. Because in only about 50 more plate appearances in 2022, Arias hit 16 home runs. He hit four times the homers than he did this year. Basically, his power was zapped. His slugging percentage dropped by about 40 points, and he hit 12 less home runs. Now, the strikeout rate was kind of concerning at 26%. The walk rate, not amazing, at 7%. And the defense also for Arias this year took a step back, very similar to Jorge Mateo. Remember Ramon Arias, kind of out of nowhere, won the gold glove at third base in the American League in 2022. He was fantastic. 14 defensive runs saved at the position. Zero defensive runs saved at third base. Now, he did have four DRS at second base. He was still a good defender overall, both third and second for the O's this year. Remember, he played a little bit of first base as well, making him slightly more versatile. But in general, similar to Jorge Mateo, Arias was not the player in 2023 that he was in 22. Last year, he hit for a lower average, but otherwise his stats were better. 106 WRC plus, I mentioned the 16 homers. And with the defense, he was worth almost three wins on fan graphs in 2022, where he was worth only about one win this season. Each of these guys just lost production year over year in in really pivotal times for them. And that's what we're going to get to at the end of the pod, but I'll kind of tease it right here. There's so many good infield prospects that are either already in the big leagues or are coming very soon. And this was not the time for both Arias and Mateo to start struggling in terms of their futures. In terms of the Orioles' futures, it's like, hey, this might make our decisions easier. But for their futures, this was the worst time to really start to struggle as the young guys started to put pressure on them. Now, for Ramon Arias, the big thing I talked about, and I had this conversation a lot on the podcast in 2022 when Arias was having a better season, Didn't talk about it as much this year. Some of it's because he played less, right? He had, you know, he turned into more of a part-time player down the stretch when he was more of an everyday guy in 2022. He had the hamstring strain early in May, although he actually had multiple injuries the the year before. Had the oblique early, had the knee injury late. So he ended up being on the roster for more time this year, but just played less because he was more of a a part-time guy. But when Ramon Arias hits the ball on the ground, good things don't happen. And that's a pretty general 
blanket statement you can make about any hitter in baseball. When you hit the ball on the ground, things don't happen well because the best thing you can do when you hit the ball on the ground maybe is ground a double down the third baseline. Generally, your best outcome of a ground ball is a single. You put the ball in the air, you can hit homers left and right. That's a pretty simple way to say it, but that's how baseball works, right? Ramoto Rios also does not take advantage of how much he hits the ball on the ground because he is maybe the slowest utility infielder in baseball history. When you think about a utility infielder, you think about a guy who can play third, second, and short. Arias can do it. He even plays first. A guy who can move around the diamond at will, can change positions in a game, come off the bench, can get a hit, swings a solid bat. Good defender at those positions. He is all of those things. You also think of a guy that doesn't have to be Jorge Mateo speed, but has solid speed that can also pinch run for you. Arias is just slow. He's incredibly slow. And so even when he's hitting the ball on the ground, it's not like, oh, Jorge Mateo, if he chops the ball down the third base line, sometimes he gets infield hits. That doesn't happen for Ramon Arias. So take that out of his game as well. Look at his stats. All of his offensive stats went down, especially the power output from last year to this year. And if you look at how he was hitting the ball, it is a direct correlation. This year, Ramon Arias hit the ball on the ground 53% of the time. Last year, 47. This year, Ramon Arias had an average launch angle off the bat of 7.9 degrees. Last year, it was a career-high 11 degrees. Basically, when he lifted the ball last season is when he had his best numbers. He barely lifted it off the ground this year, and that's why he ended up with a 375 slugging and only four home runs. It was a serious issue for Arias. Now, he continued what he's done in his career, which is be a kind of an odd reverse splits guy, where he was... Good against righties, he was okay against righties, 104 WRC+, plus, and not good against lefties, 86. Very similar to 2022, where he hits right-handed pitching better, despite being a right-handed hitter. It's not what you usually see. And he also kind of bookended his season with good months. Like Mateo, he had a good April, hit 274, ground ball percentage was way down, 120 WRC+, plus in April. Also had a 120 in September. All those months in between, it was tough to watch Ramona Rios hit. He was well below league average basically every month in between April and September. And you dig into the numbers even more. And yes, the defensive drop-off is concerning, although due to the eye test for me, he wasn't as good. He certainly was not as good defensively this year than he was last year. But still watching him, he made some fantastic plays at both third base and second base this year. I'm still feeling better about the defense. Similar to Jorge Mateo, I still feel good about the defense, despite the fact that it took a step back this year. But the quality of contact numbers when you dive deeper into Ramon Arias' data tell a story of we should be concerned about what he's doing moving forward. He was a guy who actually had really good hard hit rates and barrel rates in 2022. And the reason why I would always yell about just hit the ball in the air, Arias was a guy who's hitting the ball hard. So all he had to do was lift the ball a little bit, and he had a lot of success. Hard ground balls are still ground balls. But this year, it was twofold. He hit it on the ground more and he didn't hit it nearly as hard. That is a combination which is not going to make you a good hitter. It's honestly impressive that he ended the year as basically a league average bat because the data below it shows that his like expected batting average, expected slugging percentages were all lower than what they actually were. He honestly got some good luck on his side this year. His hard rate, hard hit rate went from 47%, which is like a really good number in baseball, down to 38, which is like below average. His barrel rate was at 9.6%, pretty good, to 6.9% this year. Not very good. And he also chased more pitches out of the strike zone this season than he did in 2022. So similar to Jorge Mateo, 
He was a good piece of this team turning it around in 22. He came back expecting a big role in 23, and he got a big role. You know, close to 400 plate appearances. That's a lot of time you're playing on the field for a division-winning 101-win team. But he's into arbitration. Now, the Orioles tendered him a contract, but they have not agreed to the number. But the MLB trade rumors projection is that Arias will make $2 million in 2024. He also has one extra year on the end of his free agency. Mateo is a free agent after 2025. Arias is not a free agent after 2026. The Orioles still have three more years of him before he would hit free agency. But there's very very similar questions about him. And that is, does he have the bat to stick around and make the other tools that he gives us worthwhile to keep on the roster. And that's the thing, right? Yeah, there's a chance that the Orioles would play most of next season without either of these guys. But you have to think because they've been such a big part, truly, of the Orioles turnaround the last few years since they've been here, Arias coming over on waivers in 2020, Mateo in 2021, they probably wouldn't get rid of both of these guys at the same time. I would have to think it would be more of a slow drip. One guy would go via DFA. Maybe the other guy goes a year later via a small trade or something. So I have a feeling at least one of them will have an impact next year. So the question is, is there a way two of them can? And if there isn't, who would you choose between Arias or Mateo? Let me know in the comments right here on YouTube. And I'll tell you my thoughts to finish off the pod coming up next. So to finish things off today, Jorge Mateo and Ramon Arias. A couple of disappointing seasons in 2023. A couple of infielders who are here in the footsteps, right? Like they are certainly here in the footsteps behind them because there is just an incredibly talented group of infielders that is either in the big leagues right now or is very, very close for the Orioles. So the question we want to answer here to finish off the pod is, can they both have a role? If yes, great. If not, who are you picking if you have to get rid of one at some point this offseason? And remember, both of these guys are out of options, so neither can just be sent down to AAA. If you're going to leave one of them off the opening day roster, they have to be DFA'd. And quite frankly, despite Arias' struggles with the bat, he is going to be claimed. And despite Mateo's struggles with the bat, I think a rebuilding team would take Jorge Mateo, see what he did last April, see the speed, see the defense, and say there's still a hit tool in there. It's the same thing the Orioles did when they claimed each of these guys when they were terrible. A terrible team would claim these guys. They would not sneak through waivers and stay in the O's organization. So it's going to be a tough decision if you want to think about leaving one of them off the opening day roster. But let's look at what that roster will look like as it pertains to Arias and Mateo next year. You get 13 position players that you can put on the roster. Now, some teams go with 14 position players and 12 pitchers. It's an option for the Orioles to start the season. However, with this team clearly, I mean, has more questions for pitching than it does for hitting, I would bet they won't want to go a pitcher down, and they will go with 13 hitters and 13 pitchers. So you got 13 position players. I would say, unless, you know, odd trades are made or guys get injured, you have eight, like, stone-cold locks. A catcher, it's going to be Adley Rutschman and, and James McCann. In the infield, I'd say Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, and Ryan Mountcastle are the locks. And then in the outfield, I mean, unless any of them get moved, which is possible, but if they stay here, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander are all locks in the outfield. So that's eight spots. That gives you five more spots on the roster for basically, I would argue, ten players have a shot at those 
five spot or at those five spots. I'd say five in the outfield: Sam Hilliard, Ryan McKenna, Kyle Stowers, Heston Kerstad, and Colton Kowser. And I'd say five in the infield: Jackson Holiday, Ramon Arias, Jorge Mateo, Ryan O'Hearn, and Joey Ortiz. That's how I would break this down, at least at this point. Now, the outfielders aren't going to have a huge say on what happens to Arias and Mateo, although you know maybe Mateo can play some outfield, and we'll get to that, but. You would think they'll take two outfielders. The O's have generally run with five outfielders. And I don't know if I'm ready to make the call. I would say out of the five, probably Stowers is number five right now. So of the Hilliard, McKenna, Kerstad, Kowser four, they'll probably take one of Kerstad or Kowser to be like the higher upside, could potentially play every day, big bat guy. And then they'll take one of Sam Hilliard, who was claimed on waivers earlier this offseason, or Ryan McKenna to be like the fourth, fifth outfielder, defensive replacement, pinch running guy. Whatever your combination is, I'm not sure I've even made my mind up on what I think the combination will be. Let's just go with, I don't know, we'll go with McKenna, and let's go with Kerstad. We'll give it to McKenna and Kerstad right now. So there's two spots. So that's 10 spots taken up. Now you essentially have three spots open for those five infielders. Again, they were Jackson Holiday, Ramon Arias, Jorge Mateo, Ryan O'Hearn, and Joey Ortiz. I really don't see there being much that can happen in spring training where Ryan O'Hearn isn't at the very least on the opening day roster, right? Like even if it was a flash in the pan, a one-hit wonder for 2023, you're going to give him a significant chance in 2024 to prove that it was a flash in the pan or prove that, hey, this is legit and I am this good of a hitter. So let's just throw O'Hearn onto the roster. That puts you at 11. Essentially, you got two spots for Holiday, Ortiz, Arias, and Mateo. And this is very much... The new group versus the old group right now. You've got Holiday, the top prospect in baseball, who many would argue will be ready by opening day to be a big leaguer. And you got Joey Ortiz, who did get a cup of coffee with the Orioles last year. Fantastic defender. Still some questions about the bat. Went through some injuries last season. Kind of kept him in Norfolk for most of the year. But he's on the 40-man roster, and he is ready to roll against the established guys who have lost their starting spots but could still be good utility infield options in Jorge Mateo and Ramon Arias. Now... If you want to take the easy way out, and you are the Orioles, as long as Jackson Holiday doesn't completely light the world on fire in spring training, you can just send him and Joey Ortiz to AAA to start the year. Holiday didn't play that much time in Norfolk last year. I honestly think the Orioles are going to send him to Norfolk to start the year for multiple reasons. Reason one is they're going to say, oh, he needs to work more on this. Maybe they want him to play a little more second base because shortstop will be so full in the big leagues. They think he'll probably mostly play second when he gets to Baltimore. So let's get him some more work there because he's played a lot more shortstop in the minor league so far. And the other thing is, listen, if you wait three or four weeks, you can manipulate that service time a little bit. And Holiday will have the chance to get that year back, depending on the rookie of the year voting. But... You give yourself a chance to earn an extra year on the end of Jackson Holiday's rookie deal before he becomes a free agent if you manipulate the service time and keep him down till, you know, late April, early May, and then call him up. And then for Joey Ortiz, he's got options, even though he is on the 40-man roster, and I think there's still legitimate questions about his bat and how much it can play at the big league level. So the easy thing is just you leave Holiday and Ortiz both in AAA to start the year, and you keep Mateo and Arias both on the roster. But I got to be honest, even if they do that... It feels like at some point early in the year, one of the two is just going to be pushed out. And there's a chance that Mateo or Arias could be sent away in a trade this offseason, whether it's a small trade, you know, a team's looking for an infielder. The San Francisco Giants said they're in the market for a shortstop. Maybe they just go get them. Or it's like a throw in the the, the finalizing piece to get a starting pitcher. A team saying, you know what? 
we would give 450 plate appearances to Arias or Mateo. They've got some team control. They're cheap. Let's see if we can turn them into a, an established big leaguer once again. And that's like the final piece you throw into a trade for a starting pitcher. Either is possible. I don't think either would be DFA'd at this point. And, and obviously, they always didn't non-tender either of them earlier this offseason. So you can start with those two in AAA, Ortiz and Holiday. But at some point, Jackson Holiday, pretty early in the season, as long as he stays healthy, is going to be ready. So even at that point, even if you think, ah, Joey Ortiz gets traded this offseason, or Joey Ortiz never quite gets to the point where he's a major league regular with the O's, Jackson Holiday is going to be. And you would think, at the very least, before the All-Star break next year, Jackson Holiday is an everyday piece of your team that you want in the lineup every single day. So when Holiday gets there, then it's just basically taking the worst player off the roster, whether it's Mateo, whether it's Arias. If Joey Ortiz comes into the conversation, that's much more interesting. The Holiday thing, I think just say the Orioles call Holiday up in mid-May. Whoever you have more trust in at that point between Arias and Mateo, you keep. The other one, you DFA or try to trade. I think it'd still be a hard decision, but it's the easier of the two. But let's say Jorge Mateo is really shining in spring training, right? The Orioles have a better look at his bat. They think, you know what? Jorge Mateo can be our utility infielder. We know he can play second, short, and third. He can pick it anywhere, and the bat's coming along where we can trust him when we put him in the lineup. Is Joey Ortiz, who's going to cost, you know, $2 million at least less than either Mateo or Arias to be a utility infielder? Because at this point, Arias and Mateo are not everyday starters, right? That's, that's Gunnar Henderson. That's Jordan Westberg. That's maybe one of these guys to start off the year. I mean, maybe, but once Holiday's there, you know, we'll see ya. They're utility infielders. Can Joey Ortiz do what Arias and Mateo do for cheaper? I don't think Ortiz will bring the speed Mateo has, but everything else Ortiz can do. He can pick it as bad as Arias and Mateo were with the bat. I think Ortiz can match that. So at some point, the Orioles will have that conversation, and I think that conversation will end with Ortiz, at the very least, is a cheaper version of the same production we're getting out of either Mateo or Arias, and they will cut bait with the older guy. Now, the one thing that could play in here, and this is where I want to finish off, you know, if it comes down to whether it's opening day next year, whether it's Jackson Holiday's promotion, whether it's a Joey Ortiz move, whatever it may be, if it comes down to a point where the Orioles would have to choose between Jorge Mateo and Ramon Arias, they've got one roster spot left, and it's down to those two guys for a utility infielder. Who would you pick? I think I would take Jorge Mateo. And I know the bat is worse, right? Ramon Arias had a down year and was still a league average hitter. Mateo had a down year and was literally a disaster. As I mentioned earlier, from May 1st on, he was literally the worst qualified hitter in Major League Baseball. That is not good. However, the speed can change a game. He can still play shortstop at a high level. And he can play the outfield. And again, they put him out there for 20 innings this season. That's not a lot. But again, it wasn't like it was just mop-up duty. He played some legitimate innings in the outfield this season for the Orioles. And one thing Michael Elias has said this offseason, when he has talked about, you know, hey, would you think about bringing in a hitter? You know, it's, a, it's an interesting question because the O's have so many hitting prospects. Would they actually go after a hitter? He said the only thing we could maybe do is go get a right-handed hitting outfielder. I think that is the writing on the wall for Ryan McKenna. He's played that role for a couple years. I just don't think he's what the Orioles want. Aaron Hicks simply did a better job of that for the Orioles. I could see them even bringing Aaron Hicks back. But if they don't, 
What if Ryan McKenna continues to struggle? And Jorge Mateo can play center field. You know he can hit lefties. 108 WRC plus against them. And honestly, that was better than Ryan McKenna hit against lefties for times this year. Maybe with Jorge Mateo, he can steal a roster spot because he becomes the fifth outfielder. He's still your utility infielder while also providing you outfield defense and pinch running when you would need it. If he's more versatile like that, you're more willing to give him a roster spot. And then maybe, just maybe, you can fit O'Hearn, Mountcastle, and Kerstad all in the same roster because Mateo's filling utility infielder and utility outfielder. Arias, while he can play all four infield positions, is slow and does not give you the outfield. And when you think about the fact that Jordan Westberg and Ryan O'Hearn can also step out and play some outfield for you if you need them to, I think Jorge Mateo would be the guy who kind of takes that final spot. And say you get into a position where, you know, Jackson Holiday and Joey Ortiz are just forcing their way onto the opening day roster. And you're looking at those two and you're saying, all right, we're keeping them and we're getting rid of Mateo and Arias. They're just they're just not performing. And you look out in the outfield and, and Heston Kerstad's doing great. And, and you know, you want to keep him on the roster, too. And, and you look around and say, well, maybe Jorge Mateo can give us at the very least what Ryan McKenna does and with more speed. And he can play the outfield. Maybe just maybe he can slip his way into a spot that. I just think Arias, although he might be the overall better player, just might not fit the roster as well as Mateo could as the team gets younger, the prospects come up, and these, you know, fringe guys, these Orioles of old start to get pushed out a little bit. I do think Mateo would have the upper hand. But in terms of, you know, what their futures are with the Orioles in general, I certainly see a future where this time next year, December of 2024, both of these guys are either in or on their way to other organizations, they've been amazing for the O's and they are valuable players, but the guys the O's have coming up, I just think have much higher ceilings than both Mateo and Arias, and they're going to have to prove it when they get to Sarasota in 2024 if they want to keep, at the very least, these utility roles that they have now with the O's. But that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to rate and review. Give us a five-star rating wherever you listen, Spotify, Apple, whatever it may be. Also, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked on Orioles YouTube page. That'll be it for this week on the pod. If you're celebrating the holiday this weekend and into next week, hope you enjoy with family and friends. And we will be back next week. Of course, we are in the off-season mode, so three episodes per week. Planning to be back next Tuesday potentially next Wednesday, uh, get you caught up on all the Orioles news, continue the season review series episodes as well. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.